Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you as always. It is officially football season, y'all. I know games were on last week, week zero, yada, yada, but it's officially official. College football is back. SEC football is back. And Auburn football is back. Highly anticipated season for the Tigers. And Jay and I are excited to get you through all of it. So we are going to break down this week one matchup, preview a little bit of what's to come, and uh, make sure that our fans are well-educated on what's ahead because it's going to be one heck of a season. We've got a lot of exciting things ahead. But uh, like we've talked about, Jay, some patience will be required as well. So it will be definitely a, a learning experience as we go on. So uh, War Eagle, everyone. Hope you had a great week since we last chatted. Jay, you look like you have a fresh cut. Do you? You you getting ready for your debut? Well, you know, I got to get ready. You know, you gotta you gotta <laughs> stay ready. And by doing that, you gotta take care of all the little things. And you know, a haircut is one. And then while ago, I was able to get. I know this has nothing to do with the subject, but I had some really good spaghetti, and mm. you know, it, it just filled the spot. You know, That's so. Great. I like spaghetti. That's relevant. I like, yeah, I like Italian food. So that's that's one preparation. <laughs> you know, uh, the next I mean, thing just is, like when you played, you had your pregame meals. Yeah, I had my pregame meal. You know? you know? Yeah, so I'm excited about this week. You know, it's a new start, new beginning. Uh, it's a new start for everything, though. New head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, new president, new AD. So there's a lot new of newness that's going on, new quarterback. So a lot of newness going on on the planes this week. And uh, everyone's excited. You can feel the energy. You can feel the excitement. I haven't, had, I haven't felt Auburn feel like this in a long time. And yeah. I think people are just, it's the anticipation, you know. But we also have to have some realistic thoughts here, Taylor. If you mm-hmm. notice one thing about a lot of games that we watched this weekend, the false start penalties, yes. you know, like just anxious to get going and missing right. up, missing out on big plays. So I, I just think that, you know, that's this week is very critical because the guys are going to be so excited and can't wait to go against someone else that doesn't dress out in the same uniform <laughs> that they got to make sure that they don't get too antsy. Right. I can imagine. I mean, week one every year is always exciting and and you're so eager. Eager doesn't even feel like it does it justice. But this year in particular for Auburn, there just feels like there's there's something. We've talked so much about leaving the past two years in the past. The only way we do that is to put a new product on the field. And they haven't had the opportunity to do that just yet. So once they take the field, once we get a game under our belt, all of that really is in the rearview mirror, and we no longer have to fixate on it. And they get to write their new narrative, which they right. are very keyed in on doing. So I think there's so much excitement around the fan base. I also love that, and I mean, I know this working in media, no one really knows how to feel about Auburn right now. Uh, the uh, quote experts and, and you know, uh, us talking heads, because there is so much that feels totally different than what the last two years have been. And you look across this roster and it's so many new faces, new names, the coaching staff, like you said, there's little ability to really predict what this is going to look like. And I think that makes it more fun heading into week one, because we're all just happy to be back in a better culture than what the last couple of years have been. So what was usually the week before? I, I mean, I can't imagine 
I feel like class would be difficult. Like <laughs> homework <laughs> would be tough. Like I working in, you know, sports, my week leading up to week one, there's just so much, a little bit of anxiousness, a lot of excitement, yeah. a lot of curiosity. What's this all going to feel like, be like, um, talk us through kind of what that experience is like playing at Auburn and, and yet just trying to be a normal student yeah. week of. Well, I got a chance to talk to some of the players uh, this week, and uh, one thing they was talking about was being excited about just running through and seeing 90,000 people in the stands. You know, yep. a lot of these guys transfer from other universities, uh, some of them from smaller universities, and they haven't experienced this. The biggest crowds they said they played in front of was thirty or 40,000, and now to be able to play in front of eighty-seven to 90,000, and be able to go through Tiger Walk, be able to see the eagle fly on the field, things that you see on TV. But to be part of a big-time program, uh, I think, is the excitement and everything. But for us, a week one goes, as when you're getting ready, if you're a freshman, it's totally different than a senior. As a freshman, you know, you want to prove to people that, hey, I belong, you know, mm -hmm. like that – I can I can, can compete with these guys and you so want to quickly want to make a name for yourself that you have to be careful that you don't overdo things and create anxiety on yourself to a point that when you get on the football field, things are going so fast because you're going too fast. And uh, so you got to know how to let the game come to you and not go out trying to force things that make it happen itself. Uh, the next thing for a senior, if you're a junior or a senior, you got experience at playing. So for you, it's like, okay, I want to get off on the right start this year. You know, I want to put the last two years behind us, but I want to get off to the right start. How I do that is my effort, you know, also getting settled in the game, making sure that I'm on my calls because now as a junior or senior, you're helping younger players because in the first game, younger players play a lot. And because yeah. – Everyone's in rotation. So these guys got to be able to communicate with the younger guys. So for them, as learning, when you're learning a new system, it's all about, did I get my checks right? Did I make the right calls? Are people lined up in the right position? You know, so a lot of those things are going through your mind, but also you want to make the big plays as well. Right. So, you know, it, it's just a full excitement, but it's, it's week one. And like I said, football season officially here. Yeah. No, I think it's a really great point to make about week one and coaches always want to emphasize it to their guys because that adrenaline is bound to get you at some point. And so the mental discipline and toughness is really what you want to see in week mm -hmm. one. It's guaranteed that the physical aspects and, and the the unity of your offensive line and the all of those little technique things, they're going to evolve as season goes on and as you guys get more comfortable as a team in a game environment. But the mental aspect is on the individual player. And so that's where it really, as a coach, you look at this and go, okay, this is about to show me kind of how mature you are in game, how settled you can be, even though emotions are going wild. Because as exciting as week one is going to be, I would argue that there are going to be some matchups down the road that evoke a bit more emotion than a matchup with UMass. You know, that's just the reality of it. And so you need to see that your guys are able to make the most of the moment, but not deviate from what they know they have to do to execute. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably going to be a big piece of what Hugh Freeze looks for. I, I think that's a great point. Most importantly, though, this is a game Auburn needs to start off with. And I'm going to be yeah. honest, like I watched them play New Mexico State last week. They don't look like the same UMass team from the last two to three years either. You know, no. they got Puma 
Pumachan. Pumachan, yeah, for the transfer, you know, that came over. Yep. A really solid player. They got two receivers that's really solid. Simpson, Wells kid, and, you know, defense plays really hard. They beat a good New Mexico State team that's in the yeah. Conference USA. An FBS team, yeah. An FBS team, and they was there in their territory. So this, uh, you know, this thing, oh, we'll come in and just wipe them out of the water in the first quarter. No, like, this is still jitters because it's the first game. Yeah. They're going to make some mistakes, but we need this game because there's a whole new coaching staff. Right. And we need a build up because we already talked about the middle of our schedule, what it's going to look like. We need to build up to get to that before we start playing the big dogs. 100%. Yeah. Great points about UMass. I think if you look at what last year they were one and 11, really, really yeah. tough season for them last year. So playing New Mexico state last week in week zero, 41 to 30 win. It was actually their first win in a season opener on the road against an FBS opponent since the seventies. So literally this was a completely different beginning for them. And I think it'll be interesting to see just Auburn aside kind of what they do with that momentum, because it is kind of starting from scratch when you have a one and 11 season, but they bring in Tyson Pumachon at quarterback. I actually covered Tyson when he was at Clemson, he was at Clemson from 19 to 21 and then went to Georgia Tech and now finds himself at UMass. He was 10 of 17 for 192 yards. He rushed for another 96 uh, last week against New Mexico State. He is listed at 6'4", 215, and he appeared in 13 games over three seasons for Clemson. So this is no slouch at quarterback right. that's leading them, okay? Uh, they also have running back Karon Adams, who scored two touchdowns on the ground last week, and their defense one or two interceptions. So I, I definitely think that there's guys out there that can contest. One thing that stood out to me looking at their breakdown from last week um, – he had 192 yards through the air, but only one of those was over 20 yards. He only had one completion over 20 yards. And I feel like when, you, when you're when you up against an SEC front and, and you've got guys like we do, you're going to have to take some deep shots. And, and that wasn't something that they were really doing in week zero. Most definitely. But this game, let's be honest, it's all about Auburn. Uh, this game is about how do we get off to a fast start. And you definitely don't want to let a team like UMass hang around because we've seen in the past – the thing about Auburn sometimes is we played out to our level of competition. And yeah. so, but I don't think with this being the first game, UMass coming off a of victory last week, they're walking in here with confident as far as like, hey, we're trying to start a new trend here. And like you were saying, like, they're going to play extremely hard because last week they probably played in front of 15,000. This week they're going to be playing in front of 90,000. Right. And so they look at this too as an opportunity for them to, like say, showcase – some of their guys and some of their abilities. But at the same time, Auburn got to jump on them quick. Got to let them know, like, hey, this is a different playing field. And right. don't let them hang around. But it's going to take a little time to get the game kind of grooving and going, too, though. Mm -hmm. You know, because UMass has a week ahead on us. So they've had a chance to iron out some kinks that they had last week. Your biggest improvement in football is from week one to week two. So they get a chance to have improvements this week. Yeah. Uh, Auburn, this is their first week. So, you know, this would be critical for them in this game and how we adjust next week against Cal. So I'm right. excited about this game. I feel like uh, Pumachan is going to really give our defense, you know, something that they can build off of from a standpoint of you got to play a quarterback that's a dual threat. Yeah. We got to play multiple quarterbacks this year. That's going to be dual threats. You mm -hmm. know, so Pumachan's a guy, too. The reason they don't throw the ball down the field, because I think their coaching staff looked at it and said, hey, 
how do we get this guy's confidence going? You know, I don't want to throw a bunch of deep balls. They'd be incomplete passes. And now all of a sudden he's not building his confidence in the passing game. So since they do a lot of RPO stuff, RPO stuff is quick hitter. So you got to read the linebacker really quick. You got those slants, got to throw quick hitter. So it's nothing going to have time to develop down the field as it's called that way. So I think for him, it was a lot of it is we want to get him pulling the ball. We want to get his feet going. We want to get him outside the pocket where he's comfortable. But then also, if he has to make in-pocket throws, we want it to be a high percentage throw. And mm-hmm. uh, it will work to get to those deep balls. But this week, I bet you better expect that they will try to take some shots because they yeah. know we'll be loading up for that. They know they have to. Absolutely right. Um, like I said, the depth chart was released today. Hugh Freeze basically uh, downplayed every bit of it. He <laughs> said that he isn't even the one who made the two deep. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. But I do think there are some things that you can take away from it. One and probably uh, the most notable is that Jarquez Hunter is listed as uh, the first running back on the depth chart and basically eliminating the potential wondering if there was going to be any kind of in-game suspension for him following some of the off-season woes. So he is listed on the depth chart, expected to go, followed by Damari Alston and Brian Batie. Uh Wide receiver, You've it really looks like there's just a lot of evenness, evenness at that position right now. You've got about nine guys spread across all of those positions, a bunch of oars mixed in there. So uh, I think they've got a lot of faith in a lot of those guys but also still waiting to see one of them kind of become the alpha and, and kind of take take it by uh by the horns in a game scenario at quarterback obviously Peyton Thorne listed as the one Robbie Ashford or Holden Gurner listed at two it's not a specified one two three even though we all were basically talking about Peyton versus Robbie I think that just kind of gives a nod to Holden as someone who was very much in the mix and a part of that quarterback battle and and that wasn't just speculation uh and then defensively uh, Cam Riley looks to have won the starting linebacker job next to Austin Keys, even though we heard a lot of hype about Eugene Asante and Larry Nixon, guys that will absolutely be in the mix. But I think that uh, this is kind of a compliment to Cam Riley, not the guy that got all the the hype and the accolades in the offseason, but kind of sneakily got up on in there. And he's listed as the starting linebacker next to Ole Miss transfer Austin Keys. Well, the thing about Cam, Cam is long. He kind of reminds you of Carlos Dansby. You know, mm-hmm. Dansby was a long guy and uh, played the position exceptionally well. Of course, he did. 14 years in the NFL. So, you know, I, I think Cam can uh, – he's a really good kid, but also he's a hard worker. And I think he worked himself into saying, okay, I know competition is coming in, but I'm going to continue to compete and continue to get myself prepared because I know I belong on this field. So right. he's one of the returning guys from last year. And I think that also helps because he can help Larry Nitson and some of the other guys that just come in. Now, Eugene Ashante, he's had a phenomenal uh, fall camp. Mm-hmm. He will get playing time. And the thing I said, you really can't lace up the starting positions until you get to week three. And yeah. I say that because the depth chart is going to say the reason these guys are starting in certain positions is because of what they did in fall camp. Mm-hmm. Now, what you do in week one and week two against a different opponent is going to dictate, do you keep that position or do right. the guy behind you competes and play at a higher level than you? Then he overtakes you in that position uh, right. moving forward. So I think coaches still create a competition environment because there are some positions you look at you like, oh, wow, man, I thought that guy like Camden Brown. We thought Camden was going to be a starter, yeah. right? 
But now Shane Hooks has come in. He's really played well. Of course, Camden's had, had some injuries, so he got to work mm-hmm. his way back up. But, you know, that creates good competition because both of those guys are going to play a lot. You know, it yeah. doesn't really matter if he's one or two. But then you look at Justin Rogers, you know, the big uh, transfer from Kentucky. Yeah. You know, thing like, oh, Jason Jones is right there, and then, and then Justin Rogers behind him. And, you know, this guy has been talked of being an all-SEC type defensive tackle. Okay. Maybe Jason Jones bumped it up in fall camp and got out there and bust his tail. And maybe Justin needs to continue to, to show what he can do. And maybe right. this is something that they're trying to use to motivate him. And so if he can get out there and play really well, it just makes everybody just play better because you don't yeah. get comfortable in sitting in your position and saying, like, this is mine. I got it. It's on lockdown. No, mm-hmm. nothing's on lockdown because coach haven't seen any of y'all play in person before against mm-hmm. another opponent with him being a head coach. Right. I I totally agree with you. I think that we could definitely see a different depth chart for week two than we do for week one, but it's definitely going to be a, a learning experience for the coaching staff too. Like you kind of touched on at the beginning, these coaches have to gel as well. They have to get into their rhythm and communication and calls. And I, I don't know who's going to be in the box versus on the field, but that communication pattern has to, you know, they have to have a minute to get that going too. And obviously those are things that you practice as well. But um, I think it's, it's going to be a very interesting peek into not only the personnel we have, but how they all are working together. And I think that's why when you look up and down the depth chart, it's a lot of oars because it's kind of like they're going to show us at this point. We have our takes from fall camp and, and expectations, but when the lights come on, who really takes advantage of the moment. So, but specifically, because I I think I would be doing our listeners a disservice if I did not ask you this pretty much every week, week one quarterback, Peyton Thorne gets the nod. What are you specifically looking for from him in, in this first matchup and his first game as an Auburn Tiger? Similar to what UMass did with Tyson Pumajan last week, where they got him into an early rhythm. You know, this is all new. He's in a new environment. He's with new teammates. Like I said, still, he's only had a little over two and a half weeks of practicing with this team uh, and live practices. So it's very important that the coaching staff gets him in situations where he feels comfortable throwing the ball and then he gets into a rhythm and then he knows when to take his shots. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think if he can get this game and have a high percentage completion percentage, uh, coming out of this game, I think it bodes well for him moving forward as far as like building that rhythm and those receivers gaining more and more trust in him as the quarterback. So those things for him, what's the most important come Saturday for him is, one, protect the football. Mm-hmm. Two, make sure we're not playing slow. Make sure the guys are playing with a fast tempo. Uh, and then three, just making sure that he's being vocal, but also making sure that he's in command. And, uh, and and have everyone in that huddle on the same page. So I think those are the things uh, just for him. Uh, it, it, it's right now probably he's a little nervous just because it doesn't matter who's playing open like a high school. He probably still be a little nervous <laughs> you know, just because you're playing in front of a different atmosphere, you know, yeah. and the expectations are high, and, you yeah. know, and you want to live up to these expectations. That's why I tell people all the time, like it's one thing, to have expectations placed on you. It's another thing when you're trying to live up to those expectations quickly, you know, because yeah. you will quickly want to show people like, oh, I want everybody to just have confidence and believe in me immediately. So then right. sometimes what you see younger quarterbacks do is 
they start to make mistakes. They start to get in trouble. They start mm-hmm. trying to make they make errant throws because they're trying to do too much. I think right. with him, with him not being young and all the touchdown passes he's had so far in his career and playing in the Big Ten, he's played in front of big crowds. He played in Penn State. He played in Michigan, Ohio State. So he knows what that's like. For right. him, it's about I don't have to do all of that. I just want to feel comfortable in my environment. Yeah. No, I think his his experience level and his age and maturity level definitely is going to bode well for this situation because the reality is you've got a couple guys over on the sidelines that some of this fan base believes deserves to be starting over you. And you don't want to basically feed into what all of that is going to be, but it can't change what you do, you know? And I I remember when early on in the TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, that whole thing, anytime TJ did something wrong that everyone's like, but Robbie, but you know, like, and I, I do think it got to TJ a little bit. And honestly, I think it got to Robbie a little bit, but you've got to have that mental fortitude in a situation like that. And I think that that's one of Peyton's strongest assets is the experience level that he comes in with to handle these moments. Do you remember the week leading up to your first game as like the undisputed starter? Oh, yeah. I was nervous. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I came out of high school, being a five-star recruit at the time, I think I was one of Auburn's first five-star recruits at that time. And it was just a amount of pressure because yeah. I felt like I had to live up to what everyone was expecting, you know, because right. and I was just like, man, like, I, I just want to do everything right. You know, I just want to make big plays. I want to, yeah. you know, and – and I ended up having a really good game, and especially my first SEC game was against the state that I finished from. It was against Ole Miss. Wow. So mm-hmm. that was like a really like, okay, uh, moment. But for me, once I got hit first, and then once I got my first completion, mm-hmm. then the butterflies start to go down. You know, it's the buildup of getting there. Totally. But then once you get to the football field, this is your environment. You know, it's you this do. Is, yeah, this is, you know, now you, everything's feeling normal. But when you're on the outside and you're riding the bus and you see Tiger Walk, you see all these people and, you know, people pumping you in your chest and hitting you in your back and saying, let's go, <laughs> you know, and all this type of stuff. And then you get to the sideline and everybody's standing around the side. And then immediately you're like, okay, once the game comes, you get your first completion, you get hit in the mouth or you make a run, then that always just goes out the door. Yeah. And now it's about playing football. Right, right. And it'll happen for all of these guys. They'll get into the swing of it and that anticipation kind of fades. And heck, Jay, you weren't even in the age of social media and it was getting to you. You know what I mean? Like these these kids are hearing it from every angle. So, well, we get going 2.30 Central Time on ESPN or you can listen on Auburn Radio. I hear they've got some pretty cool guys on that one. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be a blast. I'm excited. But honestly, across the board, week one is full of some crazy matchups. Like I week one sometimes can be kind of a snooze fest. We're all excited to have football back. Of course, our own respective teams, but I love these cross conference power five matchups that we've got. And it's over the course of like five days. Like we have so much football ahead of us. So let's get your picks Jay, because why the heck Uh, starting out on Thursday, Florida, (laughs) Utah. What are your thoughts for this one? I, I'm gonna go Florida in this one. Only reason I'm going, for, only reason I'm going wow. Florida is because Utah is supposed to be starting their third screen quarterback. 
you know, he had the surgery and he's supposed yeah. to came back within a certain amount of days, but I don't think they want to rush him just to get him ready to mm. play this game and when they're going to need him for the rest of the season. So, and then I think the other quarterback sprained his MCL in practice. So I think they're starting their third screen quarterback. So if they're starting their third screen quarterback, I'm going Florida. If they okay. come out there and the starter shows up, the normal starter, then I'm going Utah. Interesting. Okay. And they may not. I actually just Googled it. Uh, Cam Rising feels, quote, pretty good, but will he play versus Florida? They probably are not going to tell anybody. And then on Thursday, we'll just wait and see. I, I agree with you, though. I did not know that storyline. And I think that if Cam Rising's out there, that's a tough test for the Gators. And I think Florida's just still not quite there yet. They're, they're kind of into, uh, into the process, but I think they've got a little ways to go. That's going to be a tough matchup for them. And I think I lean toward Utah. Um, the highly anticipated matchup, honestly, for all college football fans, not just fans of, of these two uh, schools, Florida state LSU, the rematch on Sunday mm. night, following last year's unbelievable mm. ending, the blocked extra point for LSU to win it. Florida State gets the dub. We got a rematch. And honestly, so much hype surrounds both of these teams this year. This one has the makings of another great one. What do you think? Ooh, Brian Kelly got beat up so much last year for not going for two in that yeah. game in that situation. And then he did later on in the year, he beat Bama by doing by going for two. Yeah. So he kind of made up for it. True. So, but you know, it it hurts any coach to lose a big game. And when you get a chance to play a team the next year and you get a chance to lace it up, I think this game's in with Orlando. So you get a chance to lace it up again and get another shot at it. This yep. is going to be a, a, a game that I'm going with LSU because of defense. I, I think LSU's defense is going to show up in this game. I understand Florida State has a quarterback. It's a dual threat. They got the six, seven receiver. But LSU has always been known for, for secondary U. You know, they've right. always been known to have quality guys but i think their defense is what's going to set them apart in this game against florida state it's going to be interesting because honestly these teams kind of look pretty similar to last year mm -hmm. they they had a lot of guys choose to stay both quarterbacks return so both of these teams have gotten older stronger wiser since this matchup last year and of course have added new key pieces through the transfer portal recruiting you what have you but this is going to be a very fun matchup, and oh, yeah. obviously it's laced with all of the impending revenge from last year. So <laughs> I'm going LSU. I don't think Florida State gets that done two years in a row. Uh, and Monday night, I am very thrilled for this hmm. one. I think I'm in minority, hmm. but I covered Duke multiple times last season, and I love their quarterback, Riley Leonard. I, I think he is so underrated and obviously when you play at Duke you kind of are up against that a little bit people don't expect uh -huh. that he would be the stud that he is but he played his heart out last season and he is a great runner he is physical I think Clemson certainly looks better this year than they did last year and I think Kate Klubnick is also a great quarterback for them so Clemson definitely may be closer to the Clemson that we're all used to in the past six years um but i would love to see duke pull off this upset in week one i really would oh gosh taylor that's a feel-good story that is a feel-good story for duke but 100 clemson and Dabo sweeney is not going to let duke beat them this monday night 
And I don't even know how they got the only game for Monday night, first and foremost. I know. You know, I would have thought, you know, UNC, South Carolina or something. But I like Duke. I like how the university looks on campus. I like the, the greenery. <laughs> but there's nothing about the Duke Did football Did you watch right them now. last year? Be honest. I watched them a little bit. I okay. Little, I'm going with Dabo Sweeney and Clemson Tigers. Because why? Everybody has written them off. And they want to try to show everybody on national TV who they are and that they're back in the hunt to compete against Florida State for the ACC, which they're still not a strong conference. Mm -hmm. But that's the only reason I give that. I give you that, though. Duke is a well-improved machine. Yeah. And I do like them from a, a, a heart perspective. But from a logical perspective here, I got to put my money on Kyle I know. on Clemson. Believe me, I'm not picking Duke. I'm just telling you. No, I no, no, wish... no, no, no. You picking Duke. You, you said Duke. No, roll it back. Duke. Roll it back. Uh -uh. I said no. I would love to see uh -uh. Duke upset no. Clemson. I never no. said no. they're going to. No. Honestly, I would have loved to see Riley Leonard in Auburn. He's from Fairhope. His girlfriend goes to Auburn. Like, I really thought there was a possibility. Oh, but now, Romeo and Juliet, the man come to Auburn. Oh. Look, Jay, love is hard out here, okay? So if these people can find it, I'm going to encourage them, hey, all right? Some I of us you, should I, have I it. I told you about the Bachelorette show. I told you about the Bachelorette <laughs> show. <laughs> Over know. my dead body do I go on national television <laughs> to find a husband, please. Although I do work in national television, so if any audience member just thinks that I'm their wife, let me know. All right, so uh, I did forget UNC South Carolina. Of course, that's where game day is going to be this weekend. What are your, what's your pick for that one? Neutral site ooh, in Charlotte. Uh, mm, gosh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because I really think Beamer, Coach Beamer, at South Carolina really gets his guys to motivate and their quarterback. He uh, yeah. He had, he had such a really good ending to last year's season, you know, right. uh, to beat Clemson in Clemson last year in a hostile environment. Like I really think like, but you got to go with North Carolina because they have the supposed to be poster boy quarterback coming back. Right. I mean, Drake's so, fantastic. He's yeah, very, Drake. very good. In this game, I'm going with the more physical team, which I think is going to be South Carolina. I like it. I think I would go with them too, but I think that one will be very exciting as well. I'm telling you, I love a lot of these matchups this week. We will have plenty to break down next week, but before we go, I love some rapid fire, but I'm going to make it even harder on you. Rapid <laughs> fire, yes or no, because Jason loves to be somewhere in the middle and give an explanation for both oh, sides. Wow. But you're going to have to just give me yes or no. Oh. Obviously, that is set up to change as season goes on. But based on your perspective right now, yes or no's. Okay. <laughs> you, Do I have an IDK? Do I get an IDK in there? No well? IDK button. Yes Jeez. or no. Okay. <clears throat> Will an ACC team make the playoff? Uh, yes. Wow. Okay. Will Bo Nix be a Heisman finalist? No. Will Georgia three-peat? No. Will Alabama be better than people expect? Yes. Will Auburn have at least one upset victory? Yes. 
Will this be Jim Harbaugh's last year at Michigan? No way. Not if he wins the national championship. Will Michigan win the national championship? No, they'll make the playoffs. Okay. Um, it's 12 teams this year, right? No. That doesn't happen until like 25. Oh, shoot. Well, I still give an ACC team a shot to get in one. Oh, that's why you said that. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. a lot of people think Florida State's going to sneak in there. Or if Clemson, honestly, Clemson, Florida State will probably play twice. That's likely how the they'll have a regular season and then the conference championship. If one of them wins outright, like uh, you may end up in the playoff. That's true. That's true. I, I just so, think, you know, Florida State, Clemson, they're going to take one of them. But if okay. Florida State loses to LSU and LSU goes on to have a great season, but they lose to Alabama or Georgia, then that knocks out Florida State. That means Clemson would probably right. be the only team that can go from, from the ACC. Okay. Will an SEC coach get fired during season this year? Mm, no. Well, I'll give you a layup. Does Auburn start with a win week one? If they don't, I will come then in we here. We quit. <laughs> Come in here. I, you know what? Let's not even say it. Let's just say but yes. 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 Auburn, yes. They will win by 27. I love it. I love it. Plenty of exciting times ahead, y'all. I will be on the Ball State versus Kentucky call. A lot of excitement down there for Big Blue Nation as Devin Leary takes the reins as quarterback and offensive coordinator Liam Cohen returns to Lexington. So I will be on that noon on SEC Network. You know where to find Jay for the Auburn game. And like I said, Auburn kicks 2.30 Central Time on ESPN. So that's going to do it for us week one. Here we go. We will be back next week to break down all the sure-to-be-exciting action from the week one matchups and get you ready for quite the road test at Cal all the way out on the West Coast next week. So make sure you keep it locked. Subscribe if you haven't already so you'll get a notification when we release our episodes. You can follow us on social. Our handles are conveniently under our names right here. We are also on YouTube on Believe's channel, so make sure you watch or listen or whatever you so choose. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk next week. War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Tell Taylor she can cut her AC back on. Yeah, I'm going to go do that because I'm literally perspiring. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.